I lived in a house with several other guys. And it was a lot like, I know young people won't know what this means, but it was a lot like a fraternity house. Y'all just looked at me like I was a bad guy. <laughs> it was good, innocent fun, but shenanigans nonetheless. Pastor Melissa and I were getting married in June, and that January, um, we were down to just two guys, a guy named Eddie and myself. Eddie had run off all my other roommates, and we discovered that the house was going to be sold. And I said, Eddie, we, we got to move out, and I have found a one-bedroom apartment that I'm going to move into. He said, great, when do we move? <laughs> I said, no, Eddie. This is a one-bedroom apartment. There's no room, and plus, I'm getting married in six months. He says, no, I'm used to sleeping in the living room. I'll just put all my furniture there. We'll be good. We'll be good. So Eddie and I moved into a one-bedroom apartment six months before I was getting married. So as time went on, and we got closer to June, I was on a list for a two-bedroom apartment. And so June 1st is coming. And I get word that a two-bedroom is available across the hall. So I come home, I said, Eddie, the two-bedroom is available. He said, awesome, when do we move? <laughs> I said, Eddie, I don't know a lot about marriage. I said, however, and I, well, I also don't know how it is that Melissa and I are going to make this a home for us. But I do know this, our home will not include an Eddie. <laughs> this is the end of the road. You got to stay here. And so he stayed. And then when Melissa and I got married, we moved into the two bedroom. As fate would have it, one of our old roommates moved in downstairs. So we were all back together again anyway. But we did have separate homes within this apartment building. This scripture lesson today from the Gospel Luke helps us to think a little bit about what's the difference between a house and a home. It helps us to set up and think about in terms of our faith, what does it mean uh, when we say that God is not only with us every day, but God is with us at home. Any, many of us, most of us, all of us in here come from very different types of homes, different types of living dwellings, different kinds of houses. Some of you live in mansions. Some of you live in apartments like Melissa and I did. Some of you aren't even sure where you're going to be living in a couple months, and I don't say that's a joke. I'm saying that's a reality. We all come from different living arrangements. Some of us live with our parents, some with our grandparents, some with siblings, some with friends, some wherever we <coughs> let our kids. That's a reality. And so in all those different circumstances, what does it mean if we say God is with us at home? This scripture about the birth of Jesus uh, really gives us some things to ponder and think about. Mary and Joseph are on the road. We just read, if you read in back pedal to chapter 1, we find out that his cousin John the Baptist was born uh, just recently. And when his mother Elizabeth had John the baby, she was surrounded by her neighbors and her family. She was in her own home. And so she had her midwives with her. Everything that she needed to have a comfortable birth in the home, Elizabeth had. And that's juxtaposed against the way Jesus was born. 
Jesus was born on the road. Joseph and Mary had to pack up and go and do this census thing. You know, the census is in the news now for us here in our country. Well, the, the governor had called a census for them, too, and they had to not just fill out a card and send it back. They had to go to, to where their, their roots were. And so they, they load up on and, and take to the road, and she's nine months pregnant, and it's just an awful trip to travel in those days anyway, let alone when you're pregnant. And so as fate would have it, while they're on the road, it, we come to find out that she has the baby. And they can't find any place to stay. So not only are they not at home, they don't even have a house to give birth in. They don't have family and friends surrounding them. They don't have the midwives. They don't have all the tools that are necessary. Maybe this place isn't even going to pay their insurance. Amen? It's out of network. <laughs> one time when we had Annika, well, we only had her one time. <laughs> we got, this has nothing to do with the sermon. That God was with us when we were we received these bills. We got a bill that was we owed zero dollars. We're like, yeah, man, it's the way it's supposed to be. And then like six months later, we discover, you know, we owe like three thousand dollars on her. I said, can we send her back <laughs> and do a layaway plan and when she can pay off to pay her home? Anyway, that's nothing to do with that. So they're on the road here, and they have the baby in a manger. Ladies, surrounded by not family and friends, but by animals, cows and sheep and goats and smells and odors. No midwives, no aunts or uncles, no moms or moms-in-law, no grandparents, just animals. And they're surrounded by all this, and Jesus is born. And what we discover from this passage is as God comes down to us in this major scene, Emmanuel is birthed to us. Jesus is there. And so in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have mattered where Jesus was born. Wherever Jesus was born, God was there. Wherever Jesus was born, that was home. And so when we leave this passage, everything has changed. And so now it doesn't matter what your house looks like. It doesn't matter if you need a bigger place. It doesn't matter if your house smells like ours does because of all those kids over there. Or like Jesus' manger scene did. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't like um, an awesome thing. It was a smelly barn that Jesus was born in. But none of that matters now because God is with us. And wherever God is... And wherever you lay your head at night, that's where home is. And so that's a wonderful Christmas message. Is no matter what's going on with you, wherever you lay your head tonight, if you call on the name Emmanuel and you say, I believe that God is with us through Jesus Christ, then you have a home. It could be on the streets of Baltimore, it could be in a shack in Appalachia, it could be a, in a mansion in Upper go, it could be on a huge farm, it could be in a parsonage, wherever you lay your head, it could be in a van down by the river. <laughs> if you call the name Christ, you have a home. Because God is with you. That, home. that house that we grew up in, or that, that I, uh, 
the frat house that I was talking to happened to be my childhood home. And so like when my buddies and I were living there, it wasn't a home. It was a frat house. But when I grew up there with my mom and dad and my brothers, it was a home. It was a home that I'm looking back now I'm very proud of. Because my, God, my mom and my dad called on the name of Emmanuel. And they reminded us every day that God was with us. So God was with us. And there were times now that I think, I'm embarrassed to say, or it's awful to say, that I was embarrassed of that house. I had friends that had more than me and had cooler houses than me and more stuff than me. And I remember thinking, I don't want them to come to my house and see these modest things. Come to, and, and, and the way my house was kind of pinkish, like it had like a pink, yellow, it's weird. <laughs> and I lived in a little village that not really people wanted to live in. Some point, Mike's been there. And I'm, it's awful to say at times I was embarrassed. But now looking back, I am so thankful. Because I know like your dwelling is not your home. That's your house. We live in a home, a God-fearing home, a Christ-centered home, where everybody was welcome. I might have been embarrassed to have my friends come over, but my mom and dad opened their doors to everyone. We lived in a community community that was very diverse. So I had African-American friends and neighbors. I had poor people, rich people. They would all be welcome at our house. My mom took people in to stay extended periods of time. And it didn't matter what they had. It didn't matter what we had. They could have it at our house. <coughs> because it wasn't a house. It was a home. And it all is because of Emmanuel. So as you leave this place, and you go back to wherever your house or apartment is, call on the name Jesus. And it's a home. I'm thankful for this message of Emmanuel. Please spread it to the world that desperately needs to hear it. And if they want a loving, God-centered home, call on the name Jesus. Call on the name Emmanuel. Pray over that dwelling and turn that house into a home. Let us pray. Gracious God, we're thankful for this time together, this opportunity to, to hear this message. Let it sink in from all of us, encourage us, challenge us, and send us on our way. In the name of Christ and all of God's people said, Amen. I'm going to invite actually Peck I'm going to invite Keenan to play the piano that's okay so Keenan has been to Camp Harbison with us and he was at sports camp this week and we discovered along the way that he played the piano a little bit so Keenan and can you tell everybody where, where you're from or anything you want to say about yourself it's up to you He lives in Baltimore County, he's 13, and his family's here with him today, and he's going to play us a song. <laughs> Thank you. 
So Keenan offered up his gift to us this morning, and, and our volunteers and our, our team have been offering their gifts, and you have been so generous. Uh, this is one of the reasons we do the camps, is so that we can learn from kids like Keenan, and we can teach others about the love of Christ, and your generosity and your resources help us to do that. And so now with that, we'll, we'll pause to, to give an offering today. Um, that's so 